Welcome to Surfing the Psychic Waves. I'm your host, Christina Walsh. I'm excited to say hello to the globe. In this show, we hope to bring you new ideas to your spiritual path by letting you hear how other folks have walked their path or how they awakened. We'll be talking to surfers, psychics, and metaphysicians about healing, meditation, spirit guides, and other ascension tools you can use to catch your next wave. So if you're surfing the winds on Venus or jumping the rings on Saturn or riding a solar flare right now, this is the place on Align Radio where we sort it out. Planet Earth, the solar system, and every being in it is waking up in some way or ascending on their spiritual path. We've been experiencing energetic light shows around ourselves, and it's hard to continue to hold on to isolation or separation within ourselves the more we notice the vibrations of oneness all around. We are one with the sun and the earth now, and you might want to check out spaceweather.com for the latest happenings with the sun and how the solar activity is received by Earth and Earth's atmosphere and by your own human body cosmology. And speaking of the sun, a stream of solar wind is heading for Earth due to arrive August 26th through the 27th. Arctic sky watchers should be alert for auroras. And although there is a new sunspot emerging right now, as I check the forecast, we did have a calm period of sunspot activity from August 23rd through the 25th. So I wonder what that all means. Find out more at spaceweather.com. In the Earth surf, the waves on the west coast are a lot calmer, and the best surf seems to be in the southern hemisphere right now. There is a Category 1 Typhoon Temblin that just circled Taiwan, and a Category 4 Typhoon Bolaven that is on a northwest track heading into the East China Sea between Shanghai, Southern Korea, and Southern Japan coast in the Okinawa area. So let's get our thinking caps out and find a way to use this typhoon energy within ourselves instead of externally. Let's see what can happen to fizzle this typhoon out. In the Atlantic, Tropical Storm Isaac is strengthening south of Hispaniola. So those of you on the Atlantic, get to work in your meditations on that tropical storm. It's another space that you can look at that energy within yourself. What is storming right now? In the lava surf, we have volcanoes all over the globe that are having activity. We have a volcano in Ecuador that is explosive right now, constantly steaming with moderate tremors. Uh, The Etna volcano in Italy is still having episodes of strong strombolian activity inside Boca Nuova. In central Mexico, there's another volcano that is also explosive and steaming. And closer to my area, a small earthquake swarm has developed at the southern margin of the Long Valley Caldera in California near Mammoth. So something is percolating there. So let's ride the waves of our new ascension, psychic or spiritual spaces together and share our stories. We are bringing in the surf today from Australia with singer and sound healer Leah Scallon. In 2002, Leah released the first of her nine Sounds of Serious albums. These musical meditations are born from a lifelong history of personal spiritual experiences, providing a soothing and healing balm for the soul of the listener, including an immediate sense of deep calm and peacefulness. Leah's unique vocal harmonics are accompanied by a beautiful language of light, which has the ability to touch the listener in the most profound way. Leah Scallon's latest CD, Crystal Keys, won a cover award for the 2012 Best New Age album. Find Leah Scallon at her next event, Sunday, September 2nd, 11am at Ravenshoe, Queensland, for a Crystal Skull activation ceremony. And more details can be found at soundsofserious.com. So let's jump into the surf now with Leah Scallon, who's describing how she sort of came about creating a crystal skull ceremony. I'm 
calling it the Crystal Skull Activation Ceremony. And it will be three hours long, that sort of thing. But the focus of it, Christy, is for people to meet the Crystal Skulls, some people who have perhaps know nothing about Crystal Skulls at all, but somehow feel very drawn to uh, the energy. As soon as they hear about them, they're intrigued. Um, my Crystal Skulls, several of them have sat with many of the, um, I suppose what you'd call the most famous Crystal Skulls, ancient, some of the ancient Crystal Skulls of the world, and they've done ceremony in many sacred sites, so they contain and hold a lot of energy. This new Crystal Skull, Solar, which has come into my care, which is an extraordinary being, this will be the first time that he will be available for people to meet and perhaps and probably one of the few times that's going to happen because he's he's rather large he's 36 kilos so he's not something you just put in your handbag and bring with you <laughs> no it's a whole suitcase <laughs> no you've met him he made it very clear to me that he wanted to go to Ravenshoe. i had planned to do this event i'd been invited some months ago to go there as soon as I started to think about planning it again, Solar made it very clear that he wanted to be there physically, not just sort of etherically with me. So it's been extraordinary. The response so far has been such excitement, anticipation, and people, they're feeling his energy already. So Leah, you're already a recording artist. You've expressed yourself with performance art in many different genres for a long time now. And then it seems like you get to collaborate with this Crystal Skull, who I did meet, Solar. And so just seems like this is another expression of, I guess, spirituality, where you get to sort of experiment with song or messaging or galactic language. How would you describe it? And then, and then there's the whole ceremonial piece that the way you sort of introduce folks to working with this energy. What would you call it? I think you're right. What I'm feeling about this connection with Solar is that it is a partnership. It feels very much like a partnership to me. When I first met him, I fell to my knees in front of him and I hugged him and spoke to him in my language. I was laughing, crying. It was like a reconnection with an old friend that I had known for many, many, many eons and had just met again and been parted from. It sounds probably a bit um, freaky to people who don't know about crystal skulls, but when you start to get involved with crystal skulls, it's not the actual you know, inanimate, what seems like inanimate crystal. It's the energy and the being that, in a sense, is contained within that stone. What I realized very quickly after meeting Solar is that the being associated with this crystal is a very, very powerful entity who has made himself, who has offered himself to the world at this time uh, to assist with his information and with his knowledge. This is the feeling that I get is that this is something that is a huge, I won't say sacrifice, but it's a huge offering that he has made by making himself available in this way. And I feel very privileged and at the same time very familiar with him that this is almost like a contracted mm -hmm. job that we have agreed to do. 
it's like we are two halves of a whole and that we will move forward now to, um, in a sense, he's going to use me to transmit the information. That's what I feel. So I think that what is going to happen is that the channeling and the light language, which I'm already a conduit for, somehow that's going to, it's just going to expand exponentially. That's my feeling. Yeah, I I really see that. And so how did that first start for you, your, your first sort of introductions to crystal skulls? I mean, I think it's probably different for everyone, but the idea that even if you just imagine it just like as a tree and that you might be walking by a tree on your street for many years and you grow into this familiar sort of environment with that tree and you kind of say hello when you walk by. It's, it's kind of like that in a way. And yet when you get over the physical object part of it, you realize that this crystal has been in the ground for a bazillion years and it's saying hello to you and you're saying hello back. And it's such a natural form of communication. I can't really even imagine not communicating I don't you know it's like I'm already doing it and catching up with myself (laughs) but how did the first school that you've worked with how did it come to you well I think that's a beautiful way that you described it and it is I think probably difficult for people who haven't had that sort of experience maybe to uh, comprehend from a very objective if you stand back and you think my goodness people must think I'm absolutely you know nuts to be you know talking to crystals like this but as you say it's something that's always been there it's almost like we suddenly just wake up and we realize that um, this communication with other realms in a sense which the crystal skulls make possible for us has always been there we just have been sort of asleep to it my journey with crystal skulls began about six years ago, which is relatively new, and I knew nothing whatsoever about crystal skulls when I went on this journey to the Mayan lands, to the Yucatan Peninsula, and I uh, did a trip, a sacred tour with Patricia Corey, who's an author and channel. Oh, yeah. You know Patricia? Yeah. And we had had just some email contact because she works with the Syrian energy as well. And your listeners may or may not know that my work is called The Sounds of Sirius. And so we had been having this email correspondence and Patricia said, you know, I'd love you to come on this tour that I'm doing, um, bringing to people to Mexico. So, you know, I had never had any real pull to go to, to the Mayan lands. My instinct had always been that my connection was with Egypt. I'd always um, felt a mm-hmm. powerful connection there. But something told me that I needed to go, which I did. Anyway, on that trip, we were in Palenque, and by divine plan, it was certainly not in the physical plan, we came in contact with this very powerful skull that was in the hands of a young Mayan shaman. And we had planned to do a ceremony with the crystal skulls the next day. Patricia had brought 12 crystals or 13 crystal skulls with her. And we had planned to do a a symbolic ceremony the next day in Palenque at the Temple of the Skulls and in other places in the temple complex. So we ended up that night before that ceremony was to take place meeting this Mayan skull. And it was extraordinary. I stepped into the room that night. We didn't know. We thought we were just going for a lecture on the crystal skulls. I stepped into the room and it was literally like stepping into another dimension. 
as soon as I put my foot across the threshold, it's like I went into an altered state. Mm -hmm. uh, I was uh, guided up towards, as everybody was who came in through the room, guided up towards the to the centre of the room where on a circular table sat this skull. I went over to the skull, I picked it up and it was amazing. I held this very heavy crystal skull, I put it to my heart and I could just feel the energy from the skull pumping in towards my heart and my heart energy pumping out into the skull. I was swaying with this extraordinary mm. power of the energy and uh, I, I suppose the best way I can describe it is that it felt like the energy of pure love. So I didn't want to put the skull down, but I did. But later that night, we then sat in front of, uh, we sat around the skull, and I ended up by, again, by divine plan, sitting directly in front of the skull, eye to eye. Mm -hmm. And we started to chant, and as the chant went on, the energy started to really build in me and in the end my chant turned to channeling and then this huge column of fire came up through my body. I could see it pouring out of my mouth and pouring into the top of the head of the skull. So I knew in that moment without knowing anything about crystal skulls or how they worked or anything about them, I knew that my sound was activating that skull. So my whole body was just literally vibrating in the chair. I was, you know, it was, you could see it. It was the whole thing. And somebody later said to me, my goodness, Leah, you were on fire. And that's exactly how I felt. So from then on, you know, through the, these years that have passed when I've been working with the crystal skulls, I got my own first little skull then called Junkat Mayab. He's about, um, you know, 700 gram skull. Mm -hmm. um, very uh, clear quartz and uh, I started to work with him. I'd say it took me three or four months to integrate what had happened there. I was reeling with the information and trying to sort out into my head, you know, what this was, what was this thing about these, <laughs> this crystal that was producing this incredible response in my being. Mm -hmm. Once I got through that, I realized then that I needed to make my skull available to other people. And uh, I needed to make it available because my skull now carried the energies of that Mayan skull that I'd met, as mm -hmm. well as the energies of the sacred sites that it had been in. So I started to do that and I, without again knowing terribly much at all about crystal skulls, and I would st still say I don't know that much, I don't think anybody does really know the full mystery of them. I started to have gatherings and it was amazing how people responded to these skulls. People, you know, as as I then, as you do with a lot of people, you get one skull and then all of a sudden you get more because they seem to want to congregate together. They're like a family and it just seems to create an, uh, an opening in people and um, an awakening in people that is life-changing and there are physical things that happen in terms of probably every event I've done people have come to me afterwards and they've told me that their crystals have actually changed physically. Uh, like color, yeah. They changed color where they did have illusions they don't anymore, where they didn't have inclusions they do. 
at one of the most recent events I did, one person came with crystal and it took on it took on the form of a skull. So, yeah, it, <laughs> it just carved itself. It just yeah, suddenly it just became a skull. I love that. Um, but you know, what is that? Is that because, as you just said, you walk past a tree every day and the tree is there but you don't see it, and then all of a sudden you see it? Yeah. Uh-huh. And and why not can't uh, Crystal Skull carve itself? I mean, they're, they're certainly adept at getting on planes, <laughs> finding the right size of suitcase, you know, getting somebody to watch over it as it makes its journey wherever that is, if it's to Palenque or, or wherever in, in the world. Your Skull Solar went from California to, well, from, I guess, Brazil. I think it was carved in Brazil, right? Yeah. yeah then to California and probably a couple other places in between and then ending up in Australia. I think it's amazing. I mean, for a piece of crystal energy, and it's more than just crystal energy, it certainly it certainly can travel. It certainly can. And I've got two stories in relation to that. Firstly, talking about, you know, skulls changing shape. Just after I came back from Mexico on that first trip, I had somebody come to see me at home to have a healing session. And um, I had this huge piece of rose quartz, um, 12 kilos, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And I, it was a piece of quartz that I got when I opened my healing practice in Sydney in 2000. I had a healing practice for a couple of years. And I had this huge piece of rose quartz, which I placed under the massage table. And it was always there. I just felt it was, you know, an energy that would be very beautiful for people to envelop them in. And so the night before I was getting the room ready and I was aware of myself tweaking this piece of crystal. What am I doing? I kept moving it till I'm moving it, I'm moving. And eventually I thought, yeah, okay, that's it. That's right now. And the next day we were just sitting uh, before the session began. We were sitting and chatting. And the next Thing, the woman interrupted and she said, I'm terribly sorry to be rude, but she said, but I can't help but see a skull on that. And I <laughs> talking about it. So she said, I'm really sorry. I just keep seeing a skull in that crystal. And I looked out under the table. My eyes fell on the rose quartz and a surge of electricity just went through my whole body because there she was. This piece of quartz that I'd had for 10 years was a skull. It was so clear to see. I could see her eyes, her mouth, her, her jaw, everything. And I went, oh my goodness. So did that just happen then? Or was it that the veil just dropped from my eyes through with the help of that lady? Mm. So she very quickly became a very powerful skull. Ali Mara is her name. And you talk, Christy, about them getting to where they want to be. Yeah, uh, I had an experience, it's exactly a year ago, August last year, I was working here in my room and uh, all of a sudden I knew that I had to put some of my crystals out on the ground, they wanted to be out on the earth. So I came to, I have a whole sort of shelf of crystal skulls and I came to them and said, okay, does anybody else want to go out there? I'd already put a lot on mud. And I came to Ali Mara, as she came to be known, and she said, I want to go out. And I said, oh, Ali Mara, are you sure? I mean, she's 12 kilos. She's not, you know, wow. very, very heavy. 
And so I'd had on her crown, I had this beautiful piece of Danbright. It was like a Danbright wing. And as soon as I sort of, you know, was speaking to her about, do you really want to go out? This Danbright, it was like it jumped off her crown and fell on the ground and broke in two. Wow. I was in shock I, I, because it was a beautiful piece of crystal. And the way it fell, I thought it must have shattered into a million pieces. But in fact, it had just broken in half. And I, I went, I was in shock. I, first of all, I didn't know what to do, but then I realized that Ali Mara was trying to communicate something important to me. So I took her down and I started to work with her. And then all of a sudden it dropped in. I want to be carved. I'm, I'm, it's time for me to be seen. I'm ready mm. to be seen. So she, it, I felt that she wanted to go to Leandro de Souza he's one of the foremost carvers in the world and I, I have um, some uh, skulls that have been carved by Leandro and they're extremely powerful skulls so she basically told me that she wanted Leandro to carve her so um, I set about getting that in motion I put her out on the earth it just happened to be the full moon I did a full moon ceremony like a farewell ceremony to her Mm -hmm. I contacted Leandro, he said that he would be honoured to uh, carve her, and I put her in a box and sent her to Brazil. Well, she's still there. She is still in customs. She has not been released out of customs. So she's gotten herself to Brazil. I don't know what the purpose is as yet. I don't understand. Um, Leandro has not been able to get her out of customs and she's there. So she's there for a reason, I know that, and I have completely surrendered. I, I was devastated to begin with because, you know, I'm very attached to her. Uh, mm -hmm. There are many people, people have come into my room and they said, but where's your beautiful big pink one? <laughs> so other people are um, sort of missing her too, but she wants to be in Brazil for some reason. And my feeling since I got Solar is that there is a connection there. Uh, whether it's that there is some energy line between Australia and Brazil that needs to be physically uh, anchored, um, I'm not sure. I'm waiting for the piece to fall into place. Yeah. I can see that. It might be another, another skull in the mix that's also waiting in customs. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Very interesting how they congregate. It is very interesting, and it's, and it's very interesting how, as you say, they get to you. For example, Solar. Um, I, I am going to put together the story of um, how I got to him. It's almost like he is the culmination of a six-month journey, and it's not over yet, of course, but there's a whole section of this journey which is relating to um, what... The feeling is that it is the Australian skull, one of the original skulls of the shell, yes. and that there is one to be revealed that is of Australia. And so this six months journey have, that I have been on has been connected to that. Um, when that began was February for me, when the first um, when I was first made aware of the potential existence of this Australian skull. And now, looking back in retrospect, the timing is quite incredible. 
Solar has been with Leandro D'Souza, who carved him for the last five years since he carved him. Uh, in February, which is the time that I first started this journey with the Australian skull, Leandro brought Solar to Tucson, to the gem show. And there he met um, Miguel and Nina, who you know, um, Kirsty, mm -hmm. um, who have a crystal shop in Sac Sacred Seed in Manchester. And uh, Leandro and Miguel and Nina know each other, but on this particular occasion when they met, he said to them, I think Salar wants to go to Manchester. Now he'd been with Leandro for five years and all of a sudden he wants to go to Manchester. So he returned to Manchester with Miguel and Nina. And that was the same month that my journey with the Australian skull began. Mm -hmm. A couple of months later, I go to Manchester, I go into Miguel and Nina's shop, I'd met them last year and made a very powerful connection with them, and there's Solar. And so he got himself into place to meet me in Manchester. It's just so wild. I just love these stories. I love, it's more than a story, it's, it's outside of time. Yes. It is an awesome thing to witness. Awesome is the only word I can really use to describe it because the pieces that keep being coming in this journey I'm talking about over the six months many people have come into the mix you're one of them um, they just come in and brought their piece and it would be just one small piece of information but it is critical to the whole picture and so it's like this huge mosaic that is taking form in front of my very eyes. And yeah. I'm wondering where the next piece is coming from. And it's, it's so exciting, but it is, it's overwhelming in many ways because you think, oh my goodness, this is, a, this is a huge plan. This is a really big picture. And uh, it's a very humbling thing to be part of of that divine unfoldment. You know, parts of me want it to go a little faster and parts of me are looking back going, gosh, why didn't I notice? <laughs> why didn't I notice this was a, a giant plan early on, you know? And the kind of magnitude of the symphony going on in the background is like, whoa, that's mind blowing. Yeah, symphony is a really good word actually because, you know, there are so many harmonies, so many instruments, so many little things just being dropped in here and there that all, you know, come together to create this hugely complex and magnificent um, melody. Really. Yeah. And speaking of melody, it sounds like you have a couple of other musical projects in the works. Well, yes. For those of uh, your listeners who have not heard of me, which are probably many, <laughs> my work's called The Sounds of Sirius, and I have, uh, I'm basically the channel for Sacred Sound, which is, uh, I suppose, what you call my core work. The crystal skulls have woven themselves into uh, that work. Um, sort of they're now an intrinsic part of it I think and mm -hmm. I have the crystal skulls in the studio when I'm recording and their energy is imbued into the uh, you know the music but uh, I just released my ninth album which is Crystal Key Songs to Awaken and Heal and um, yeah I've been 
very, very delighted that it just won Best New Age Album, which is a wonderful thing, because I think it's really time now for this um, these frequencies, which yeah. I am the vehicle for. I think it's time for them to be received by more people. And you're calling that frequency the language of light? Well, the language of light, I, I think the probably the best description for the work in general, the music and the, uh, the melodies and the words, is that it is the language of the soul, the music and the words. What happens is that it comes through with a light language, which... When it started uh, to come through for me initially and before I began to um, share it with other people, my guidance told me that this was the true language of Sirius. It is the language before language was recorded and it's the root of all language. Mm. And it's very interesting, uh, Christy, because when people of different nationalities have heard the words, a lot of people recognize words from their own mother tongue and there will be words in there that people will recognize so it, it that really confirmed for me what I've been told that this is in fact it's like a root language it's through for her through me and through my music and words and um, so I I channeled that through for her on the phone and she said she said I'm just crying you know she couldn't stop crying and this seems to be a very common Thing. She said it was like it just went straight into my soul. Um, that's what it does. It seems to cut through, you know, the, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and it goes straight through everything, through into the heart and into the soul. And the most common feedback I get from people is that it feels very familiar to them. And a lot of people say, I felt like I'd come home. And I think that's exactly what's happening. They're coming home to the remembrance of their own soul, to the remembrance of who they are. And somehow this music and these words are helping them to reconnect with their own essence. It's really beautiful, the whole unfoldment of of that light language and how it affects, you know, your body and um I guess any kind of mental processes you might be using to listen to other music, it's like it suddenly that gets suspended. Um, that's just been my experience. And I, I just feel this opening. It's like all your cells just kind of open up. I think that you've really hit the nail on the head. I think the fact that it's not words we understand or immediately recognize, it frees the mind. So it allows your conscious mind just to go on holiday basically yeah and yeah. you can just allow the sounds to wash over you wash through you and you don't have to engage the mental process you know we are so um the way we live um in the time we are in we you we're in the mental you know all the time we're in our heads and we're bombarded by so much information and so much stimulus all the time um, that it's very hard for us to stop thinking. It's very hard for our brains to have a rest and consequently for our bodies to have a rest because, you know, we're constantly, you know, the cogs are turning all the time. So I think the beauty of this 
you know, and I would call it a healing modality in its own right. This is not just ambient music. These are healing energies that are coming from very, very high dimensional um, realms. And you are just allowed to lie down, sit down, and receive. And yeah, having difficulty sleeping, a lot of people put these CDs on at night as they're going to sleep. They're having trouble sleeping and they just go to sleep. And it's still going in because this is, you know, it comes under the umbrella of vibrational healing, Christy. So, you know, you're still receiving the vibration regardless of how low the sound is or if your conscious mind is not engaged your body and your being is still receiving the frequency. Leah, I'd love to ask about your next upcoming conference and um, what do you think that you and Solar have in store for us? Well, at Raven's Hole, I'm feeling a great sense of excitement and anticipation myself. Um, I think that he wants to go to Raven's Hole because, uh, you know, the physical thing of him being there. I think it's probably quite a, a powerful, um, maybe power node of the planet. Yeah. Um, and I think that Solar himself, uh, he's demonstrating um, that he himself is some sort of multi-dimensional portal. Um, I think you may have seen, um, Christy, some of the photographs that have been taken of him since he came into my care. And he is showing inside him um, all sorts of different beings, literally almost in picture form. So I think that somehow this day in Ravenshoe, the people that are called to be there are going to provide another part of that big picture we were talking about. There's going to be some sort of alignment, activation and alignment that is not just going to be for those of us that are there, but will spread out to the wider world and to the planet. Um, I think what the crystal skulls are doing, um, they are connecting throughout the globe. Um, they're, they're connecting themselves, but they're also connecting humanity into a crystal grid of light. Yeah. And I found myself with my travels over the last few years that I... I'm finding myself guided to be in very specific places at specific times. And it's almost like I'm being placed there to be a physic to physically somehow connect a part of the grid. And I think this is perhaps what's going to happen in Raven. So there's going to be some sort of sparking of part of the grid on that day. And because it's in this perhaps powerful um, portal energy with solar there it can be amplified and sent out to messaged out to the world in a much more powerful way than it might be perhaps from somewhere else this amplification takes place on September 2nd it does yes uh, if folks want to tap in that day and but can't make it to Australia <laughs> I, like me, I might not be able to make it on September 2nd, but you never know. Uh, it just depends what my crystal school wants to do. Um, we could actually tap in using that poster. There's a couple of posters that you've created that are just amazing pictures of Solar. And I've actually 
met Solar in person, and it's an amazing sculpture, you know, work of art to begin with. And then to feel that presence of that being is just, uh, it's, it's life-changing. I don't think I fully integrated <laughs> that day. I, I got to a chance to meet Leah Scallon in person, which was amazing, and then Solar in the giant suitcase. <laughs> and <laughs> this is before he made the trip to um, Australia. And uh, it was kind of like... I was in this awakening energy and I think that energy is still going on. And so I was so pleased to see that you've created the the posters because there's a lot of us between Mount Chasta and the Bay area that, that got to meet um, Solar in those days that you were here in California. And then now again in, in Australia, it's this unfoldment keeps happening. So this is going to be an amazing, amazing piece of work. I, I, you know, I, I think it's, um, when I met Solar first, I was a little bit overwhelmed at the idea that I might become his caretaker. And uh, the lovely Karen Seeks, who is a dear friend of yours and who is also on your uh, radio um, channel there, um, yeah. Karen was a big part in helping me um, come to um, sort of reconciling me in a sense with the possibility that, um, yes, that Solar was meant to be in my care. And one of the big things for me was that, but you know, I'm not going to be able to carry this skull round in service to people. This is not something I can just, you know, he's too big. I can't even lift him. He's too heavy. And uh, so she helped me to to really understand that, you know, Solar didn't need to have to be there physically for people to receive his energy. That he would be working through me and through my and through my sounds and transmitting through me. But what became very clear to me when I came back to Australia was that I really wanted people to um, have this tangible connection with Solar, mm -hmm. able to see him and to really connect with him. So it happened beautifully because I decided, I had this image of doing a poster of him that people could you know, have on their wall or on their altar or whatever. So I set about um, taking some photographs. I thought that he really would want to be seen um, sort of connected with the setting where he now lives, which is, um, I live in the beautiful uh, tropical far north Queensland, which is uh, um, basically Cairns, is the gateway to the Great Barrier Reef, which is one of the wonders of the world, and the Daintree Rainforest also, which is another wonder of the world. And so I thought, I really want to have him, you know, somehow embedded in this landscape so that can, people can also feel the beauty and the energy of this place too, of where he lives. So I, one day I was, I was just out, I had to go to a shop out which is near this um, incredible uh, structure, natural structure, which is called the Pyramid. It's a pyramid mountain that's believed to be um, the largest natural pyramid in the world. So it was a stunning day. I found my car driving not home but left towards the pyramid when I came out of this um, the shop and uh, the next thing I saw these cane fields and the sun was just shimmering on top of the flower of the cane field the, the cane um, sugar is in, in flower at the moment mm -hmm. and I find myself driving down literally through the through the cane so that I could get what I thought was a better shot of the pyramid from there. And I took this photograph 
um, of the sun and uh, over the cane. I came home that evening and oh my goodness, I can't <laughs> believe what I saw when I downloaded the photographs. The sun had come out in several shots with this huge pink, these, it was like a flower, these huge pink petals around it. So that was one day. And then a couple of days later, I went out in the same direction to the same area to a place called Yaraba, which is uh, very much, um, uh, it's an Aboriginal um, held land. And over the water there, again, a stunning day, I took this other shot, which is now the one that's in the poster. And the very same thing happened. The sun came out with this pink petal around it, petals around it. So it's almost you know, with my having solar in mind, that the sun wanted to demonstrate the power of its names, namesake. Solar means the sun, of course. So this poster that is of solar has the sun with this extraordinary light phenomena around it. Uh, so, you know, you're getting the energy of that, um, that natural phenomenon as well. The second poster which I've made available was taken on the way back from Ravenshoe when I went up to look at the venue um, where I'll be doing this event. And on the way back, I was traveling back as it, the sun was beginning to set and the sky was just, just magnificent. It was just full of this beautiful golden light, gorgeous clouds, and I pulled off the road and I started to take these photographs of the, uh, the sunset. And when I came home that night again, amazing just beautiful photographs but in one there was this huge octagonal purple orb <laughs> <laughs> that is the one that Solar is sitting in front of now so people have two choices you have the sunset um, of Atherton uh, with the purple orb underneath Solar or you have the other one which has got this amazing pink petal <laughs> around the sun so uh, I think that people, when they look on this image, and I already have had feedback from people, people are being activated just by looking at Solar, just by seeing his image. That seems to be enough. He's already communicating with them. Yeah, absolutely. You could, I mean, the posters are just amazing. And so folks can find out more at soundsofsirius.com. Yes. And they can get a little sample of some of this language of light that's just within this beautiful musical ensemble that you've you've brought together. I I think you asked me about um, what my next projects would be, and I thought that the next album was going to be Crystal Keys Two, that more crystals wanted to um, share their codes. But the other morning I woke up and I was doing my morning practice and all of a sudden I got this title dropped into my head called Song of Solar. So I think that is going to be the next CD um, yeah. that Solar wishes to um, bring people closer to the energy of the of the skulls. Um, some people may or may not know the legend of the 13 crystal skulls, that when the skulls come together that we will enter a new age of golden, golden age of peace and harmony. And I feel that 
Solar is somehow bringing in a big piece of that picture. And I feel that this new album, now this may or may not have entered, this is how I'm feeling at the moment, but I feel that perhaps there are going to be 13 tracks, mm-hmm. uh, each one related to these 13 crystal skulls. So that sounds, that sounds, that sounds just about right. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> Look, it's an extraordinary journey, as you know, Christy. Um, you know, it's in retrospect that we know what's happening. I find that I, a lot of the time I just have to go trust and do, and then later I understand why that had to happen. Yeah, it's kind of like the filling in of the backstory. Absolutely. <laughs> later, when, you know, you're on a plane somewhere going to some sacred site, and you're like, I don't know how I got on this plane. That is so true. And, and you know, it's so exciting, though, when you do fill in the backstory because it's like that piece I just told you. I, yeah. Is that, you know, I just went back and I thought it would be interesting just to see what was happening in February when Solar went to Tucson with Leandra. So I went back to my um, sort of diary or whatever and I thought when was it that I did the event in Karanda when that I first met this person who told me about the existence of the 13th crystal you know of the Australian skull and it was in February so it's not until later that you can actually go back and put the pieces together yeah and there are many many things like that that have happened on this journey which I I'm hoping to formulate and to um, you know to write it uh, just so that I can put it all together so that people can just see this mosaic and see how it is all connected and how we are all connected. I mean, this story of Solar involves people from, you know, all over the globe. You. <laughs> I know. How many people does Solar know? Well, I know, you know, so it uh, it's really amazing. These crystal skulls have more friends than you and I put together. <laughs> well, I think they are demonstrating for us, you know, that there really are no borders. We really are all of the one energy. They are just, the crystal skulls are mirrors to us, I think. You know, they are mirror, mirroring to us aspects of our own consciousness. I think that is probably the main role they have for us maybe um on a sort of 3d level anyway they're they're holding up to us a mirror of aspects of our own consciousness they're showing us our own divinity the spark of divinity that we are and when we see the perfection in them and we feel the compassion from them and the love from them then we're really looking at an aspect of ourselves and that's what they're showing us and it's hard for most of us to to see that because we have been you know we've we've been programmed with all sorts of other stuff you know we're not deserving we're not worthy you know we're sinful all of that sort of stuff that a lot of us grew up with. There's a big long list. There's a huge long list. You know, we should be guilty, we should sacrifice, we shouldn't be selfish. You know, we all of these things that we have, you know, been brainwashed to believe that that is our destiny in a sense, but it's not. 
what yeah. the skulls are trying, what the skulls are doing is they're, it's almost like they're stripping away all of that surface programming. Um, yeah, because it's a blip of energy or a big blip of energy <laughs> in this sort of crystal container, however that looks. I mean, Alejandro carves beautiful pieces of art and he's connected to that crystal but that crystal has its own vibration and they're all different and they're not they're not limited I mean I think one of the biggest things that I'm still working on accepting is how unlimited they are my I have a little baby crystal skull that you that you saw little rose quartz and it has been to I don't know how many ceremonies with uh, the Caro up in Mount Shasta before I even got it? I mean, I actually got the skull, it went to the ceremonies, and then it came to me. Like, that's amazing. It is. Uh, it, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. It is. This is why, you know, you find it so hard to integrate. You're talking about finding it hard to integrate meeting Salah. Why I found literally, I, I've never had the similar experience really of when I came back from Mexico. It was almost like I'd be sitting at my desk and was like, one part of my brain was going one way. And, but I, it was like I just couldn't figure it out. You know, it defied logic. Mm-hmm. Which was why it was so difficult for me to you know to piece it together you know and to to try and uh you know gel all of this feeling and this physical energy literally that had gone through me with this what seemed like an inanimate object in the sh- you know in the shape of a skull which many people think you know is scary looking you know <laughs> a lot of people associate um the skulls with you know fear and death and whatever because again that pirates you know yeah how we've been brought up so we see the skull as an image of something evil or fearful. And then it's none of that. It, you know, they have so much information. I, I was talking to Pinky and no one else for like, I think, three days straight. I know. And this is it. You literally, they become your family. And yeah. you have these conversations with them. And you know, you're talking about Leandro. I mean, somebody like Leandro, I really have to honor his gift because... Um, he is, as you say, he's an artisan of, you know, huge talent. And so he's, he is actually carving. These are in their own right without any energetic thing. These are sculptures of, um, of, of huge beauty. Um, but, uh, Leandro is very connected to the skull uh, energy and they they work with him he works with them they work through him i heard you know from nina who in sacred seed who um, was one of the uh, people who got solar to me um that leandro can have a piece of stone a special piece of stone for maybe 10 or 15 years he will just have it sitting there until the stone is ready to be carved and then one morning he will walk past the stone and will say today (laughs) <laughs> I'm ready. So at that time, the skull being is ready to come in. It knows it's time for that particular energy that it's offering to um, to go out to the world. And so he listens, and he he does what the skull wants him to do. With Salar, for example, Christy, um, 
Solar has a huge golden jaw. It's like a, a rim of gold all around his jaw and to the back. And he, he is not, by the way, when people see him, he's not a conventional looking skull. Uh, he's actually sitting on a winged platform or a tabular platform. So it's almost like a big angel wings coming out to the one side. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a double terminated Lemurian crystal. So Lemurians, as people may know, um, are record keepers. They hold a lot of information. But he's also filled with gro- golden rutile. But this gold jaw that he has came into being because when Leander was carving him, the stone didn't naturally have a jaw, it didn't have a natural, you know, uh, propensity to be a jaw. But the skull told him he wanted a jaw. So Leandro built that up and he then um, finished it with gold. That in itself is quite symbolic, I think, in its way, because the gold of Solar, both inside him in the golden rutile and the gold of his, um, his jaw that has been added is demonstrating the alchemical process, you know, base metal into gold. So it's showing us uh, the transformation into gold that we can achieve as well. Yeah. Within our being. Just love that. Mm. Well, thank you so much for talking to us on Align Radio and surfing the psychic waves. And I look forward to hearing more about your travels with Solar and the amazing energy work that you guys are going to be doing. I think this is, um, a great time to talk to you now before the Raven's Ho ceremony takes place and then I think after that who knows <laughs> well, who knows and thank you so much uh, Christy for your interest and for and also for making Solar's presence known to others uh, throughout the world because I think he has a lot to offer people and I I really um, honor you for the work you're doing and for your ability to to spread the beauty that is available to us at the moment. Yeah. And there's a lot of that going around. There is a lot of that going around. (laughs) (laughs) Very exciting. So thanks for surfing the psychic waves with us today. In this next little bit, we're going to listen to Leah Scallon's Amethyst from her Crystal Keys album. Enjoy. It's
Isso. 